Hi there, and welcome to the Mother of Success podcast. This is episode 24. I am your host, Heather Hennessy of Heather Hennessy Life Coaching, and I am so glad that you are with me today. This podcast is for working women who are new mothers. I am going to start, as always, by asking you to breathe with me. Whatever you are doing right now, take six deep breaths with me in through your nose and out through your mouth. Now, today's episode is number nine in my series where I'm talking about my schedule simplicity solution for new working mothers. And I am going to cover basic number one in my uh, system. I have your uh, schedule categorized into four basics. Today, we're going to cover basic number one, which is sleep and resting. So if you've missed the past couple of episodes, please go back and listen to those first, Um, specifically episode 21 and 22. This episode is not going to make a lot of sense uh, without that. Well, the the subject matter will make sense. But as far as uh, using the schedule simplicity solution, you're going to want the orientation And uh, step one, which is to dump out your brain. So I'm assuming in this episode that you've done those things and that you've listened to um, episode 21 and episode 22. So at this point, you have dumped out your brain. You've got all of the clutter of the things you've got to do out of your head and either onto paper or into some sort of document where you can begin to organize it. So from that point, you set that aside. You set aside everything from your brain dump. And now we actually start to build you a schedule working with only the four basics. And the first basic, the first thing that you put on your blank schedule is time for you to sleep and to rest. This is critically important for you. You it, it's important in innumerable ways, but right now at this phase in your life where you're attempting to adjust to working motherhood. And as I'm recording this uh, here in February of 2021, our, our uh, country and our society and our planet are still coping with the COVID pandemic. And if, if you've been um, kind of paying attention to news about the pandemic and how to stay healthy, there's actually been a ton of 
research and studies about how critical sleep is to us just as humans and to our immune system and our cognitive function and and every other part of the operation of our bodies, but specifically for you as a new working mother, sleep and rest are important for all of those reasons. And because um, you just need it in order to even begin to try to function as a working mother. So the things you want to start with What does this look like for you right now? We start not with some like fantasy version of you or some, you know, place where you were maybe before the baby arrived where you were, you know, I'm a person who sleeps eight hours a night. I'm a person who sleeps six hours a night, right? Before the baby arrived, just throw that out the window. Going going back in time to before you were a mother does not is not helpful. What is happening in your life right now? Is your baby 2 weeks old and sleeping 2 hours at a time? Is your baby 2 or 4 months old and maybe sleeping 3 or 4 hours at a time? How old is your baby? How much is your baby sleeping? What is your childcare situation? Do you have a partner who lives with you and gets up with the baby a couple of times during the night? What is your situation? This is going to fluctuate mother by mother. It's going to fluctuate um, situation by situation. Meet yourself where you are. That is the linchpin here is that this is realistic and it fits your life right now. So that's your baseline. Take a look at your schedule and put your times realistically to sleep and rest on your calendar first. If you're using uh, an electronic calendar on your phone or, you know, one that's tied into your Gmail or something like that, put it on your calendar first. If you're using a paper calendar that, you know, maybe shows like 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. or something, you can you can adjust it however you want to, right? Like you can you can just assume that the <laughs> hours that are not shown on the paper calendar, you're trying to sleep or sleeping whatever system you're using, adjust it according to your needs and book this time. Actually make it visible to yourself. Make it so that you can see it. Nothing else is on your calendar. Sleep and rest are first. And I am dead serious about this. A lot of you who are listening to this, who are career professional women You pride yourself on being high achieving and type A and you want to laugh out loud or punch me in the face right now, depending on how your day is going. I'm completely serious. I also identify as high achieving and type A and this change 
where you start to plan your sleep and your rest first has been so helpful to me. And I learned about this concept during my uh, training as a coach. I got my um, certification from the Life Coach School and picked up this habit along the way. This habit of scheduling my rest first was a profound change to my approach to my life and I still do it. My sleep has become something that is non-negotiable. Now, the beauty of this practice of putting your sleep or your rest time on the calendar first is that it keeps you realistic about the remaining hours of your day. Your rest and sleep are booked and it becomes something you do not compromise on as a matter of honoring yourself and your own needs, honoring yourself as a human being, honoring yourself as a working mother. This is important to you. You need it. It becomes non-negotiable. Now doing this habitually will also provide you with the ongoing assurance that you're going to have time to rest and get the opportunity to sleep or rest regularly. It might not be available to you in the immediate moment, but soon in a future time that is predictable, you're going to get to sleep or rest. That is immediate anxiety reduction right? There's a part of our brain that is devoted to kind of paying attention to the, the health of our organism, right? It's the, it's the part of our brain that's sort of worried about, am I too cold? Am I too hot? You know, am I hungry, right? It's not our conscious thoughts. It's like a part of our brain that's like in the, in the like mammalian part of our brain that's just worried about us having what we need to survive. So if it's on your calendar, you know, I'm not, I can't sleep right now, but in four hours, I am going to get in my bed and rest or sleep. Then that conscious thought that seeing it on your calendar will calm down the part of your brain that would be otherwise kind of throwing up little panic flags, little like neurotransmitters, like pay attention. This is a problem. You're very tired, right? Like you're just going to reduce your anxiety so much. That's especially true if you're kind of fatigued or overly tired on a regular basis, right? Then that part of your brain does have something to worry about. That part of your brain is like legit concerned (laughs) about the health of the organism. So you're going to make a plan for your sleeping and your resting times. You are going to put them on your calendar. You in your actions and in your thoughts, 
you're going to resolve to honor these commitments to yourself and you are going to follow through on your plan. Now, things other than actual sleep completely fall into this category, right? Like depending on the age of your child, depending on your child care situation, depending on your work situation, you know, going, actually going to sleep is, is not the only way that you're going to be able to rest and restore yourself. Anything that you do that puts your body and your mind in a posture where you are resting and not doing anything else, right? Like, my suggestion is that you pick a couple of things like sleep and then maybe one or two other things that are truly restorative to you. Now, this is not, I do not think you should make a choice that requires you to like <laughs> learn a new skill. You know, I don't think that meditation for a novice falls into this category. If you've been meditating for a long time and you have a practice that is reliable for you and you and you know what you're doing, right? Like you're not learning the skill of meditating, then in that case, meditation would probably be really appropriate here and really restorative. But if you're new to meditation, don't try to put that under this category. Like do something in addition to sleep that is requires like, you don't have to learn a skill, you don't have to pay attention. There is a practice that I have done a few times. Um, it's called yoga nindra. It's not a moving yoga, it like, your body is just lying still. And it's spelled yoga nindra, N-I-N-D-R-A. And I heard about it from like a neuroscientist that I heard on a podcast and he was talking about how restorative this was. And so I tried it and it really was amazing. It's like a guided practice where all you're doing is lying down and the guide is like talking you into kind of like a trance almost where you're just resting and sleeping and it can't, there are yoga nindra meditations that you can find on like on YouTube and stuff that are ones for sleep, right? So, so it's also like you could theoretically, if you, you know, had like a break in your work day, you could turn on one of those and do it in your car. So, um, the whole point of yoga nindra is to sort of take you inward into a place where you are restored and rested. And then, you know, you can kind of go on to your day. So that's one option. The other thing that I would find really restful is just, just to rock my baby, right? Like just to sit with him when he was tiny and just rock him for a little while, you know, whether I was trying to rock him to sleep or, you know, whatever was the case, but that break, right. Where I could just kind of turn off my brain and be really present with my baby. That was, that was restorative to me. So maybe try that in this category. So 
You make your choices. You put them on your schedule first. No arguments, no cheating. This is where you start to honor yourself on purpose right now. So fine. This is a, uh, (laughs) again, some of you still want to punch me in the face. (laughs) And I, I appreciate that. This, this practice of approaching your schedule this way, this alone, and I haven't even gotten to the rest of my scheme here, right? Like this is number one of the four basics. This alone is hugely different than the way that most of us has have operated up to this point, even before we had a baby, right? Like we have a society that has a fetish for busyness and a glorification of busyness. And most of us bought into that culture of busyness, right? Like, you know, some of you, you may even have had this experience, right? Like friend, groups of friends where, or professional acquaintances where literally it was like a competition to be the most busy. It was a competition to be the most overloaded. It was a competition to be working the hardest. We regularly overload and overschedule ourselves and pressure ourselves to do more. Now that you are a working mother, that habit and that behavior pattern must stop. It must stop for your own good and it must stop so that we do not, you know, take this culture of busyness and this perversion of overworking and transfer it to the next generation. Like, can we just decide that we're the generation that stops this nonsense? Who's with me? (laughs) Like, again, I am dead serious about this. So that buy-in to my concept and how important it is and how much it matters to you right now. If that buy-in is just out of reach for you, if this sounds like a bridge too far for you at the moment, message me right now because you will really benefit from some coaching about that, about that one component. Like that alone, if, you know, individual coaching on this would change your life for the better immeasurably. If you're with me so far about seriously prioritizing your sleep and your rest, and you are going to commit to making a plan, then let's talk about the next part of this reality. You're going to make a plan and your plan is going to fall apart. That is reality. That is especially prone to happen if your baby is really young or if, you know, you're experiencing sleep issues of one kind or another. Make a plan anyway, for sure. But know that there are going to be times when it is not going to happen and your plan is going to fall apart the next level of support that you provide for yourself 
is to have a plan for when your plan falls apart. You know, bad sleep happens. You make a plan for bad sleep or for no sleep or for interrupted sleep. That plan for bad sleep, just like the original plan is going to look different for everybody, the the bad sleep plan is also going to look different for everybody. It's going to depend on the age of the of your baby, on your childcare situation, on what your current work schedule looks like. You know, if you're on maternity leave, there's a completely different, you know, daily schedule than for a um, a mother who's already back at work. So what this plan for bad sleep, most of that plan is going to be thoughts. It is going to be a series of thoughts that you choose to think on purpose when you have had bad sleep. Now, just a few suggestions here. Thoughts such as, I know how to support myself even though I didn't sleep very much. Or the thought, I am going to take care of myself. Or you can look at your schedule, see on your calendar where you have booked your next sleep and have the intentional thought, I will get another chance to rest soon. So what you're doing with those thoughts is you are choosing to make your bad sleep something that's just kind of part of your life and you're not making it a catastrophe, right? You're not causing yourself a crisis. Sleeping poorly is a normal part of parenting. That's just true. (laughs) But your brain, if you're not managing your mind, is going to turn bad sleep into a crisis, How do I know this? Because I lived in that world where bad sleep was a crisis for a long time. It completely sucked. (laughs) That world sucks. (laughs) So instead, we develop thoughts for ourselves to think when we have bad sleep. And those thoughts get us back into the mindset of being able to recuperate and of having our own assurance that we're going to be able to do so. When you turn a night of bad sleep into a catastrophe, you are compounding your own suffering. Worse, you are probably, in addition, blaming somebody else, right? You're blaming your baby, who, you know, whose poor little body needed to sleep too and was unable to for whatever reason, or you're blaming your partner for, you know, something he or she did or didn't do. Those are habits, those, you know, blaming or, you know, going into resentment, something like that. Those are habitual thought patterns for most of us that we're not even aware of. And this habit of catastrophizing things that happen to us and 
those habits of then placing blame or, you know, fostering resentment, we feel totally justified most of the time when we are doing that. But catastrophizing and blaming and resentment and whatever else might come up for you when you're not sleeping, they are only compounding your suffering and they don't help. They don't change, you know, the amount of time that you did or did not sleep. None of those thought patterns are helping you get any rest. So my alternative of having a plan for thoughts that you're going to think instead and other support for yourself, that is going to help your brain kind of calm down and it's just going to be a much more effective approach to your plan for sleep. And why is it effective? Because it's going to give you some reassurance that you're going to take care of yourself. Reassurance beyond reassurance that you're going to honor your body's needs. And that reassurance is sort of ongoing. So that's the mindset component for your bad sleep plan. Now, in addition to those thoughts, there might also be some actions that you can take, right? Like if you have a night where you just really don't sleep well for whatever reason, then, you know, maybe you can take actions like scheduling a nap for yourself. Maybe you can alter your activities for the following day in some way. Like maybe you can call in reinforcements at the office or, you know, call in some extra childcare or, you know, even if you've still got to go forward with all of your meetings, you know, maybe you can keep your camera off. Maybe it's just a day where <laughs> you're, you're on voice calls instead of, instead of video calls, you know, thinking about those kinds of things ahead of time and, and like planning, you know, on days where, when I have bad sleep, these are the thoughts I'm going to think. These are the actions I'm going to take that's going to calm down your brain. Your Otherwise, your brain is like, oh my God, I didn't get any sleep. This is terrible. How am I going to get through that meeting, right? Like you're, you'll just go into a tailspin. This plan for bad sleep cuts off the tailspin. So another place where I want to focus some intention for a few moments is for those of you who are having a lot of anxiety or worry or dread. So, you know, there was the time when I wasn't sleeping because I was awake with my baby. And then there was the part where I was awake with my own anxiety. (laughs) You know, the part where you're awake with the baby and caring for your baby, right? Baby is on baby's schedule. None of, none of this schedule simplicity solution is about the baby, right? It's all about you as the mother. Baby is on baby's schedule. Points where we are awake with the baby, that's 
totally normal and to be expected and part of the bit and part of the gig. (laughs) But the part where we are awake with our own anxiety or worry or dread, that's where we can use various tools to manage our minds and help ourselves. So when we're talking about panic or anxiety or worry or dread, like for sure, have a conversation with yourself. If these are recurring for you and they're really getting in the way, do you want to seek therapy? You know, give that some thought, have some conversations with your doctor, like for sure, if you need that, go get that help. But if you think that you're not at the therapy point, which again, only, you know, only you know, you know, what's happening for you. I am not a therapist. I got a lot of relief from my anxiety from coaching. So, and then there, you know, there's sort of therapy and coaching and then lots of other kind of different mechanisms for relief, depending on how you're feeling. So I got the relief from the bulk of my anxiety through coaching and through these tools that I'm teaching you, you know, now with this um, schedule simplicity solution, and then, you know, in the rest of my podcast and going forward. And, you know, there's a lot that can be helpful there. In the immediate I do have one hack for you if you're having a lot of anxiety or worry or dread at bedtime and it's interrupting your ability to sleep when you when you want to be sleeping. So your the hack is to schedule time during the day, during your waking part of the day where you are going to do nothing except for sit with yourself and be worried or be anxious or be in a state of dread. Maybe like 15 minutes, you know, during a part of the day where you're not otherwise occupied, you schedule yourself to sit and feel those feelings and think the thoughts that are causing you those feelings. Now, you do not distract yourself. You don't get on your phone. You sit with yourself in those thoughts and feelings. You let the anxiety or the worry or the dread have all of your focus. Just allow all of it to rise up in your mind and in your body set a timer, right? It's 15 minutes. And then the rest of your day and at night when you're trying to go to sleep, if those thoughts arise, if those feelings arise, you just have a conversation with yourself. Oh, I've got you scheduled. You're on my calendar for tomorrow at 1.30. I'll be back to you then, but for right now, I'm going to sleep. So I would be totally anxious. I would be trying to go to sleep and I would be, 
you know, the baby would be asleep. My husband is snoring next to me and I would be lying awake in the middle of the night having anxiety that we were going to have some malfunction and we were all going to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. That was one of my go-tos, carbon monoxide poisoning. (laughs) Lying there in bed, wondering if we were currently all (laughs) suffocating from colorless and odorless carbon monoxide. It was torture. So there was the... (laughs) There was the torture of the actual anxiety of the thoughts about the carbon monoxide. And then there was this sort of like torture of, I should be sleeping. I'm not sleeping. Carbon monoxide, right? Like (laughs) it was just completely compounded in my thoughts and in my emotional state. So, you know, under my suggestion here, I would schedule time during my day to think about carbon monoxide poisoning and just let my brain go crazy about carbon monoxide poisoning. Maybe I would even go get a carbon monoxide detector off of Amazon and install it, right? Like, (laughs) right? Like instead of lying awake at night, having this spike of anxiety, Oh, during the daytime, I could have actually maybe taken productive action. So, you know, having the ability to take that dire thought about everybody in the house dying of carbon monoxide and cutting off that dire thought by my intentional thought that I have a plan, right? Like, I'm not resisting the anxiety about the carbon monoxide, I'm just rescheduling it. Now, we never want to resist a thought or a feeling. Resisting our thoughts and our feelings just make them more persistent. In coaching, we talk about, you know, imagine that you have a giant beach ball and you're, you're in the pool and you're trying to hold the beach ball underwater. And all of the force of the beach ball is trying to pop up above the water. That's a really great analogy for what happens when we're trying to resist a thought. So, you know, in my example, I'm not resisting thoughts about carbon monoxide poisoning. What I'm doing is just rescheduling it. I'm telling my brain, I'm going to pay full attention to this (laughs) carbon monoxide poisoning train of thought just not right now. No, right now it's time to sleep. It's like you make a deal with your brain, just internally to your own head. It's really helpful. It might sound a little odd, but give it a try. If you're struggling with bedtime anxiety, worry, or dread, I really suggest that you try this hack. Um, and here's the, here's the kicker. So you are not the only beneficiary of this practice, right? Or or whatever, if you use my hack or if you find some other coping mechanism, or if you start coaching or start therapy, whatever it is that you do to bring down your 
anxiety, worry, dread, whatever the case may be that happens to you when you're trying to rest, you get the benefit of giving yourself the assurance that you're going to get the rest, you're going to honor your own needs, and that you have a plan, right? That's that those benefits of feeling better absolutely come to you in your life. It's also going to dial down the neurochemicals in your body that are producing some of those thoughts and emotions. And we all know that our small babies are picking up on the neurochemical states of their mothers. So you get the benefit and so does your baby, right? Like if you're having an anxiety attack while you're trying to go to sleep and your baby wakes up and it's time to go care for your baby, right? Like you've got this neurochemical cocktail going, And, you know, some of that neurochemical cocktail transfers to our tiny babies, a (laughs) hundred percent. That's what, that's what science has told us. So every tool, every hack, everything that you can give yourself to help your internal state kind of modulate, it's going to transfer to your baby. It's a win-win. So, you know, I know that some of you have started listening to this podcast series and are, and have, you know, gravitated toward my schedule simplicity solution because you are at the point of collapse, right? You are so depleted and so exhausted that you have taken to the internet to try to find relief. I, I see you. That's where I was. And it is really hard to make other meaningful progress on your schedule and in your life until you start to honor this need right here, right now. This component is so important. You are not doing yourself any good to make a bunch of other changes, but to continue to deplete yourself at your own expense. Let's take some time and dig in and figure out how to get you some help sleeping and resting better and reducing some of your anxiety and your worry and all those other uh, emotional states that might be happening for you. Just listening to this podcast might have made you tired. (laughs) I get it. I really do. But let this schedule simplicity solution for new working mothers, let this process be the place where you start to turn things around for yourself. You are never going to get a certified letter from God or the universe or society (laughs) giving you permission to rest. You give yourself that permission. Do so right now and start this process. 
If you do not already have the schedule simplicity solution for new working mothers, just go to my website and you can get the free download and hit subscribe on this podcast. Um, The next several episodes are going to be a continuation of this instruction about how to use the tool. So, you know, this is the first component. This is the first of the four basics. I'm going to talk through the rest of them, and then I'm going to talk through sort of how to put it all together for yourself. So make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And if you want immediate and individualized coaching for this process or for something else that I talked about today, please reach out to me. It would be my honor to coach you so that you can become exactly the working mother that you most want to be. Thank you so much for listening and take good care of yourself.